Hello everyone, this is Kevin. This is Callum. And this is Katie, and you are listening to episode 4 of Hot Rods of the Sky. Hey everybody, and thanks so much for listening. Uh, Once again, we want to thank everyone for sharing our show and leaving some kind words and some awesome reviews. Um, Thank you so much. Uh, Today's episode is actually going to cover something a little bit different. Um, We might come back to the GB in later episodes, but in this episode, we are going to be talking about uh, the Stearman Aircraft Corporation. So we'll go over a little brief history of the company, how it got started, where it went, and then we're actually going to go over the three Model 4 Stearmans that we restored over the last 40 years. Um, so, Dad, why don't you kick us off with um, basically what is the Stearman Aircraft Corporation and why should we care and all of that good <laughs> stuff. Well, you know, Lloyd Stearman was um, a pretty prolific designer, and of the aircraft in the in the twenties and thirties and into the forties, so he um, he kind of got his start pretty early. I think around twenty five or so when they see he was, actually before that he was working for one of the other companies. Um, I think he right Cal didn't he work at? He was uh, at Travel Air. Well, before with, that even. Oh, I don't know about yeah, before, before that. He was with um, Swallow and some of the other ones, and then. He and um, Walter Beach and Clyde Cessna formed Travel Air, and I think that was around an early 25 when they did that. And the Travel Air biplanes were you know, pretty well known, and um, you know those guys were working together to do that. Everybody was in the biplane business back then. And um, they, they then kind of, like a lot of partnerships, things kind of want to go their different, different ways. Everybody, three guys had different ideas of what they wanted to do, maybe the markets they wanted to pursue or how they wanted to design and build airplanes. So uh, they, they split up and Cessna formed Cessna. Walter Beach formed Beechcraft, Beach Aircraft Corporation, and Stearman did the Stearman Aircraft Corporation or Stearman Airplane Company. And um, that was, I guess, around 26 or so when he, when he left. And then um, he started, he was kind of going after the commercial market and commercial biplanes for doing mail routes and survey work, that type of stuff. Um, and that was really where he was after. And so his airplanes, the C-1, C-2, C-3, were the earliest designs. And the C-3 had different variations, a C-3B, C-3R, depending on how it was equipped, if it was a deluxe version or not. And um, then he, he uh, the fourth design, he, he kind of dropped the C off the front and then went just with Model 4. And um, so the Model 4s, I think, were introduced in 29. Is that when it came about, Cal? Yeah, the um, Jimmy Allen one was, I think it was October of 29. So it was one of the first ones that was a Model 4. Was it? Yeah, it's like serial number so. 7, I think. Yeah. yeah. So they built about, from 29 to the early 30s, they built around 40 of these airplanes. And the Model 4 was kind of a, a downsized version of the M2 that preceded it. The M2 was a mail plane, and so this these um, kind of got the name Junior Speed Mail. They were primarily built, designed and built for the mail routes, but you could have them in a passenger-carrying version, which was two places in the front, a pilot in the back, open cockpit, pretty fast. Uh, the different versions of 
the C model had a right engine, a D model, a 985 Pratt Whitney, and an E model, a 1340 Pratt. So those are really about the same airplanes from the firewall back. Uh, some of them were dolled up with cowlings and wheel pants, and some not. Some had d- different equipment in them for the different customers. If somebody wants heel brakes, they'd do that, or toe brakes, they had different systems. But for the most part, same basic airframe. And, well, in uh, terms of, um, like you mentioned, the, the junior speed mail and all that stuff, and um, just made me think of when did the oil companies start using the different airplanes and the speed mail stuff to really push sales? You know, they had the uh, Jimmy Allen, the the radio show, and they sold toys just to you know kind of boost. Yeah. marketing for their oil and gas stations. When did you, like, when did that start getting hot? Yeah, that was right there in 29, 30, when they really started doing it. The, the oil companies, you know, even today, they buy the, the best equipment that's out there to, to be able to promote themselves or move paperwork or, or execs back and forth. So, that, I mean, they've had, you know, even later, Walter Beach, that was his first customers with Stagger Wings or oil companies. They had the money. So um, quite a few oil companies had the Model 4s. At Richfield Oil had the Jimmy Allen. Standard Oil had several divisions. There were Standard Oil of California, Standard Louisiana, Standard here, Standard there. And so there were several different of those organizations that actually had Model 4s. Standard Oil of California had three of them. Um, and they were 783, 4, and 5 hotel. And they were the Model 4E specials, and uh, Standard Oil Louisiana had one, and there were some others. Texaco had had at least one, maybe two, um, painted up pretty And they would just travel the country and... Some of it's promotional, kind of yeah, going around promotional, but they might be moving, you know, people around and taking the boss to the, you know, down to the another city or something like that, too. I mean, the airplanes... We're fast for 1929. They were, you know, 130 miles an hour. So it was pretty yeah, it's early, early bonanza speeds in 1920s and 30s. That's so pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. I looked up but, here just a second in our, our book. The original, there are 40 Model 4s, and it says they were scaled down and refined M2s, is what they called it. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, let's see what we have this year. Original uh, purchase tag was uh, price tag was twelve thousand five hundred dollars. It's pretty big money in twenty nine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, most of that's probably I the mean, engine. That's pretty big money for me right now, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they the, the different companies had them. Uh, some of them were flying mail, so there were some that were painted up as had U.S. mail on them, and different companies had the contracts to different mail routes. So. Um, you know, the cam air routes, civil civil air mail routes, and they would move mail. So it would hold about 700 pounds of mail in the front and a pilot in the back. And this is what we talked about before, about painting the top of the top wing a bright color so they could go find the airplanes if you know when and if they did crash. Um, just to go yeah, get the mail. Yeah, that's grim. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the mail. Yeah, not the so, not the pilot. The mail. As as the story goes well, about this airplane, this was this was Lloyd Stearman's favorite design, and it was really the last one that he had involvement with before he sold his company to to Boeing, which happened in 
I don't know. I thought it was 31, but this says 29 here. I think it's 29. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? <laughs> well, and that was one thing, Callan, that, that I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you probably already knew it, but it was a few years ago that we were all on a family cruise, and Callan and I took the great opportunity on the cruise. Instead of going by the pool or going to the sports deck, we huddled into our stateroom and watched a... Boeing documentary for about four hours in in one day and um they talked about the speed mails and steermen and things like and that was kind of when I found out that that steermen was part of Boeing and I never really put I don't know why I just never really put those two together yeah, but yeah only, after Boeing yeah, bought them yeah what's that I was going to say the same thing you were saying the, only after Boeing bought them yeah, and they, and they kept it as a Stearman Airplane Division of Boeing, or Stearman Aircraft Division of Boeing Air, Airplane, or yeah, however they w- did Wichita, the or they had some but, yeah, catchy it was Wichita phrase. Division. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so let's jump into um, the first of the three Model 4s that you guys restored, um, and that was kind of an inaugural one uh, for you guys, right? You know, the that was you mentioned that was the first restoration to kind of roll out of the hangar here in where we um, are now what used to be Zellwood but is now Mount Dora yeah. yeah yeah so going back um to about 81 82 you know shortly after we started restoring airplanes for the business um we had a pretty good association with Dolph Overton who had the uh, Wings and Wheels Museum that was in Santee South Carolina and then he moved it down to Orlando had at the Orlando International Airport. So he had a lot of really cool airplanes and, um, you know, working on a collection and everything else. We did a, an airplane for him, a KR-21, and and then he uh, he made a deal with a guy named Gene Frank out of Idaho that had a ton of airplanes, ton of old airplanes, and he was a, an old crop duster guy and ride hopper and pretty neat guy. And uh, he actually had two of these Model 4 airplanes and basket cases so you know a basket case is just a pile of parts that you can you know there's there's enough there to say you have an airplane and you've got the paperwork and all that but it's not doesn't look like an airplane um, most all of these model four steermans had ended up at one crop duster outfit in california carberry dusters they had just about all of them they really loved them and it would haul a heck of a load and uh, they used them <laughs> pretty extensively for the ag business in california and Gene ended up with a couple of the, the carcasses from that, plus a bunch of parts. So uh, Dolph Overton made a deal with Gene to uh, restore one for him in exchange for the other one. So the uh, the, the two airplanes were um, the 774 Hotel airplane that we did, which is a Western Air Express one. It's now in the WAM Museum. Uh, out out in the northwest, and then the other one was the uh, 785 Hotel, number five of the Standard Oil of California fleet, one of the four EXs. So those were the two airframes, and um, the decision was made to restore 774 in the uh, Western Air Express colors, and, and that would be Gene's airplane, and then Dolph kept the other. So we, we had both projects here, both of those airplanes were here, and... Um, we actually started on those before we were at this facility when we were still at another shop on another airport. And then um, brought it here, partially done, finished it here, and it, flew, it was the first airplane to be completed and fly out of this this shop. 
Now, with a lot of the airplanes that, um, you know, get restored, there's a lot of research and just a cool story about the specific airplane itself. Is there any just cool story about this first one? I know there are with the other ones, but is there any, like, rich Yeah, this particular one, uh, Western Air Express later became TWA Airlines. So it was a forerunner to TWA. Um, so it's kind of neat that that's, that's the, the one that this one was modeled after. It actually was not that particular serial number. Um, for some reason, when our crop dusters and end numbers get moved around and everything, this particular one by serial number uh, was a different airplane. Um, and then somehow it ended up with a registration number of 774 Hotel. So it, that's why we restored it in those colors. Um, which turned out to be pretty cool because you know, we finished the airplane. It had um, one of the old 1930s-style snap cap 1340 Pratt Whitney's on it, 420 horsepower, the Wasp engine. And um, then Gene really, he's like, eh, it's pretty cool and all, but I don't like it. It burns too much gas uh, for ride hopping, and I can use my, my Kenner Bird or my 220 Bird to... To, um, to do the ride hopping and save a lot of money. So he just, he didn't really want it. So he sold it to a local man here. Uh, Leroy Brown bought it and he owned it for a few years, a couple of years maybe. And then he sold it to Ron Rex. And Ron's the one that really owned the airplane for a long, long time. Um, what was really kind of a cool little twist is Ron was a TWA captain. And so he was flying for TWA when he bought this airplane that's painted in the colors of the forerunner to the airline he was working for. So it kind of had a neat connection for him. And then Ron operated the airplane all over the place, and then we we did a chain, an engine change on it to put um, take the 1340 off, the old original style 1340, which I think was the oldest flying Pratt-Whitney operational engine at the time. Yeah, I think and, so. And, yeah, and then we put a... World War II vintage 985 Pratt Whitney on it, 450 horsepower, constant speed prop, cowling, and all that, and made it look more like the, the 4D that it was. What was the horsepower of the, the engine we took off the 1340? Cause it's a, it was 420 horse. Okay, so same horsepower, just smaller package and constant speed propeller. Correct, and the weight worked out about the same. Yeah. You take off the big engine that didn't have the constant speed, had a ground adjustable ham standard and then you put on the smaller lighter engine with the constant speed and it was within like 50 pounds so it worked out pretty good that's good that's a little more reliable too at the same time that was the main reason was the reliability he was you know the thing the original engine was using like a gallon oil an hour and it'd go every couple hundred hours he's having to do a cylinder on it or something so yeah. it was always always a maintenance thing and you gotta crawl up so there it just made it a little more user friendly you get to crawl up there and grease the rockers all the time, and you know it's just a yeah, yeah. nightmare of an engine. Yeah, open everything up, check the rock, you know, grease yeah. the rockers, do all that. Was a pain. Imagine doing yeah. like the because he did those air those um, uh, vintage airplane tours that they did. And did he do that with the the thirteen forty or was that after? Uh, it was after. Yeah. Okay, so he, he wasn't worrying about before. Okay. Yeah. Because okay, he'd just but, be a pain. Yeah, just imagine though you're doing a mail route and you, know, you leave wherever you know Kansas and you're going west and you get there and you got to grease everything before you can come back. Yeah. Oh, do you have a uh, two gallons of oil I can borrow? Because I got right. no oil left. 
<laughs> Two <laughs> gallons? You mean quarts? No. Yeah. Yeah, they were pretty thirsty. So that was the first one, was um, the 774 Hotel. And uh, I think that was show number 4025, if I remember right. So the second one was the Standard Oil with the huge wheel pants and red, white, and blue, the gold, the eagle on it, just very patriotic and yeah. super cool looking. Yeah, but yep. it, it turned out it wasn't the second airplane that we had that came along with 774. It wasn't that project. So about the time you finished the 774, uh, Dolph sold the project for that was a 785 hotel, the Standard Oil airplane, and uh, went out to a guy named Bob Hood, and then he later sold it to uh, Alan Lopez, and it was restored by the Posey Brothers up in Jersey area, and uh, that one's now in the middle of the country somewhere, I think. Uh, Is it was Idaho or, or Nebraska or something nah, like that? I, was, I don't know, but... Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, so it's pretty neat. Um, So it's out there. But um, so the second one that we did was actually another project that we that we found, and I think it's um, what's the serial number? That one's thirty six or something. I don't know. Uh, Pretty late, and it was it was um, we were going to do that for a guy, a local guy here in Orlando. Yeah, thirty six. It was thirty six. Yeah, so. Almost one of the last ones made, and it was actually originally a, a mail plane version. So it originally had the mail, big mail pit in it, and everything. Um, American Airways, I think, owned it uh, at the time when it was new. Uh, but our customer wanted to do it up in the standard oil colors, and you know, we knew that there was a standard oil number five, which was that project that used to be at our place that Alan Lopez had restored, and then there's a number three. Sorry, number four was out in California, and that was Steve Hamilton uh, did an airplane in num- as number four. So there's num- no one had number three, so we decided to do it as the number three airplane. So it was a big Roman numeral three on the wings, standard oil number three on the cowling, that type of thing. So they, they had the three ships, and they were flying together and separately. Uh, for yeah, I was going to say, the one thing I do remember is that big red, white, and blue fuselage sitting in the hangar for... A very, very long time. <laughs> and yeah. That it, it took... How long did the did the whole thing take? I don't know. There, there was a, a big, long pause. Uh, we got the, the wings done, tail done, fuselage covered, and then Mike stopped, had to stop on it because that's about the time he got in you know, an accident and was, wasn't really going to be flying anymore. So he... Uh, he just put it on hold and then ended up selling it to the, the current owner, Todd Stewart. And so then we, as a project, and we finished the airplane for Todd. That's who owns it today. And it's, it was, um, and who made the molds? Who the made the place? molds for the, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, we, what we I did mean. is um, that one, we got a little bit smarter than when we did the GB. We hand carved, Jeff and I hand carved the foam and then we poured the concrete molds to make the GB wheel pants. And for this, by this time I had the ability, uh, you know, through a vendor that had a CNC router, um, Bill Shaneman actually routed out the, the wooden plugs that made the, the wheel pants. So we did those out of wood and then finished them and made them pretty smooth and then made the, poured the concrete molds from there and then turned them over and then hammered the wheel pants. 
So we made the wheel. We made two sets of wheel pants. Uh, at that time, we did the set for this airplane, and we did the set for 785 Hotel, the Alan Lopez airplane. That. Um, well, and and if you guys haven't seen, you know, a model four in person, or like haven't seen the size of these wheel pants, they are huge. When like the molds are huge, they're probably still out behind the hangar. They're massive. You could fit, you know. I can't think of another good uh, example except for you could fit like two or three bodies in there. <laughs> like they're, it, they are huge. And, you know, it's one of those things that would fill up with water when it would rain because they'd be outside and, you know, Cal and I would just be gross and, you know, play in it and make mud pies and all that other nonsense. So they're they're like little duck swimming pools. They're like miniature ponds. These things are ginormous. The, the wheel pants are seven feet long and three feet tall. And about a foot wide, so they're pretty massive. And yeah, you could fit like three three bodies in there, probably. <laughs> if you, if you I cut mean, them if you up, like right? folded it up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure we had <laughs> the weight. I'm sure yeah. we had a bunch of people in the molds all at the same time, hammer aluminum, and at least two people in there at once. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, like those little hand hammers, they just looked like little. Um, yeah, it was an air know. hammer. It's they, called they're a, like the circular. Yeah, the air. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what we would yeah. use. Yeah, just cock, cock, Right. Yeah. So the concrete molds, and then you take the aluminum and put it on on the mold, hammer it in to get the shape. And then, um, so we had a left and a right mold half, and that made the two wheel pant halves, and then they got trimmed and fitted together, and then there was internal bulkheads and structures that riveted in, and then there's, in total, the welding to put the two halves together is 28, 27 feet of weld on each wheel pant. So, as I said, we made two sets. We made the wheel pants. We made the brackets that mounted. We made all the cuffs and blisters that hid the brackets and blended it into the gear legs. We made all the streamlined bullets for around and the wing root fairings and everything for those airplanes. Sounds like a lot of That's work. It's a lot of work, but it's fun. Some of the first <laughs> stuff I, was, I did in the shop was hammer out some of these little pieces that are on this thing, the air scoops and little blisters around the wires and all this kind of stuff that... I did before I was old enough to get paid. <laughs> well, one of the first things I did in the shop was I was shoved in a corner and told to count all of the washers. And it was a very important job that I needed to be quiet. While still doing. is an important job. So, yeah, it's still. <laughs> and you, and you, I'm not doing it. And anymore. you still aren't quiet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well. But yeah, so um, we made all that all that stuff for this airplane. And then, so that was the second one. Um, it's pretty nice. It's a, it's a pretty deluxe airplane, full knack of cowl. Um, well, you got the gold on there, right? It's got gold That's leaf on the, really cool. on the side. Yeah, with the, the gold leaf was really cool. With the uh, Stenavo, Standard Aviation uh, bird, the, their logo on the side. That's what that is. And then it says and, Standard Oil of California. I thought it was an eagle. It's a bird, yeah. Not an eagle. Oh, it's a bird. It's, <laughs> it's kind of an airplane morph bird sort of thing yeah it's got mm. it's got wheels so it's not completely a bird but it's uh and then now another the logo gold leaf logo oh, on sorry. the side of the cowling standard oil of california number three one uh um now the the next one the third one is probably 
my what I'm probably definitely my favorite just because I can't shut up about it. I think when we started talking about this podcast, I wanted to talk about it, and I just think it's I think it's really cool. And that's the the Jimmy Allen um, Junior Speed Mail yep. for you, Steerman. Now, how did that come to us, and how did we figure out it was cool? Well, when we did the the airplane um, four eighty eight whiskey, you know, we started for Mike Danforth. He actually purchased two projects, um, two sets of paperwork, two fuselages, two you know, two sets of wing parts, that kind of thing. So two, two basket cases, and we restored one, and he had the second one, and uh, and the original idea was to maybe do the second one as the Texaco oil airplane, uh, which there's a lot of little banks. A lot of people had the little bank, little biplane, red bank, red and white, Texaco. Um, so he, oh, he yeah. was kind of thinking to do that. But but then, you know, with everything that changed and he didn't keep going with airplane stuff as much, he just, it was in storage and he had it for sale. So it sold to another individual who was going to restore it. And then um, he went in a different direction on, on warbirds and things. And uh, about that time is when they started doing the the air tour with the vintage airplanes going around the country and just kind of replaying that whole thing. And um, one of the participants in that program was Sarah Wilson. She um, was flying her PT-17 steerman around and giving rides and really a go-getter in aviation, trying to promote it with, with everyone. And so she got a ride in one of the Model 4s that was on the trip. I don't know which one. It could have been Addison's or or the Western Air airplane, and she's like, ah, I want one of these. Where can I find one? And then turns out it was sitting in the rafters at our place 50 miles from where <laughs> she lives. You know, she was living in Lakeland at the time. So she made a deal to buy that project and then um, contracted with us to restore it for her. And in doing so, um, with the, the information that she had, discovered that it was the Jimmy Allen airplane um, in, his, in his past life. And um, she went after all that, all that Jimmy Allen stuff. Figured out everything about it, and and really tried to bring the whole Jimmy Allen Flying Club back to life again, and use the airplane to promote aviation, and get youngsters involved. And then uh, she pr- did that for a couple of years, and then uh, she sold the airplane after that. Well, and I think the um, I don't know. I just think the little radio show that they did with it was just. Adorable is probably an insulting way to describe it, but I think it's great. And um, uh, we'll play a little snippet of it for you guys, but it's the Air Adventures of Jimmy Allen. So, you know, it's radio show, and then they would take the, the Jimmy Allen Model 4, and they would tour around, and, you know, Jimmy Allen wasn't actually flying in it. He had the pilot and then the actor up front, but he would, you know, come around and talk to the kids and all that other stuff for... Um, is it Richfield Oil? Yeah, Richfield Oil. Right? So, but yeah. you know, Jimmy Allen, the character was a young, was a boy, and so you know, he was a boy mm-hmm. that was solving mm-hmm. all these little, all these mysteries or whatever was going on. <laughs> and so then they had, you know, the chief of staff guy or whatever they call it, corporate pilot, who was actually flying the airplane when they would go on the promotion. So, you know, uh, and most people didn't realize that the pilot sat in the back and the passenger sat in the front. They just figured, like a car, you're driving it from the front seat. Yeah. So. It, it made perfect sense, and they just kind of went around. They would promote it, but um, you know, Dudley Steele was the was the pilot for Richfield that was flying the airplane around. 
name. So I had name. a yeah, name on the show. side with some, some kind of title, you know. When they got the airplane, I remember when Sarah, we were doing it for Sarah, and she was doing all this research and Jimmy Allen stuff. I remember one of the stories she told me that she'd found was when they bought the airplane or left Wichita with the airplane, and Dudley was flying it to Los Angeles, where Richfield is. When he landed in Richfield, or in uh, Los Angeles, that's when he found out the Great Depression had just started, and he was in the air when all that happened. He had mm-hmm. no idea anything was going on. Until he got wow. back to Los Angeles, he, as as part of it, you got to think about the era that that this was. Uh, the country was, you know, really going great, and then, you know, went over the cliff financially. And so many of these airplane companies didn't survive. There were, you know, dozens and dozens of of airplane companies out there that didn't make it. Stearman and Cessna. Well, and that's and what Beach I find some of these so. Guys that survived. And that's what I I find so. Um like interesting and crazy at the same time is you have this golden age of aviation and for for me it's always been two separate things like I know that the Great Depression existed and I have the years you know like the year range but then you think of the golden age of aviation and you've got you know Lindbergh and the GBs and you have all this awesome stuff and I don't usually equate them with happening at around the same time you know I just knew it was Late 20s, all the way up until right before World War II, everybody was too busy to be doing anything else. But, you know, that's some of the, the worst economic times for the entire country and all of history. And I just, I don't know, in my mind, I never really put those two together. How something, like, during such a horrible span in our country's history, you know, financially-wise, just some really awesome things came out of it in terms of aviation. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of pioneering going on during that era too. And that's a lot of growth in the in design and things, but you know, what was really kind of making it go and the reason it survived was the guys concentrating on the on this commercial aspect of it. You know, the the oil companies, the, um, the airplane companies going after the clients who had the money. You know, we're, these are oil companies we talked about with the Granville stuff, you know, the the ice cream, you know, magnates and and then yeah. you know, you've got the some of the racers are sponsored by Guggenheims and different names like that. So you know it was it was some pretty fancy stuff that that wealthy people could afford. And as the barnstormers were using you know old War One stuff to go around and try to stir up the interest in aviation, make some money, kind of a carny lifestyle. That's about the only exposure that the the average citizen had to any aviation. It wasn't common today. I mean, we weren't, you know, you weren't even, you were going to get on a train and go someplace. You weren't going to get on a bus and go someplace. You know, that's how you traveled was by train or, you know, walking, horse. <laughs> but it, you know, it's it wasn't, it wasn't airplanes for sure. Well, so out of the three that you restored, Dad, which one is your favorite and why? Oh, I don't know. Um, the, you got to answer now. <laughs> uh, I mean, Jimmy Aller airplane is definitely cool, but to me, it's uh, the um, the one done up as standard oil, just because of all the sheet metal work that I did that's on it, the wheel pants and all the cuffs. It's pretty fancy looking. It's definitely a deluxe version of the airplane compared to, you know, it doesn't look like utilitarian um, kind of a deal. So I, I would say it's probably um, the favorite of the three, uh, even though, you know, 
I was 17 years old when we did the the Western Air Express one, so that one was some of my earliest work. <laughs> well, how about you, Callum? Which one's your favorite? And you can't pick the same one Dad did, <laughs> or the same one I did. So, looks like you're stuck with one. Stuck with the one that I've never worked on. That doesn't seem fair. Oh, Alright, fine. You can copy well, like, them. I don't know. I, I kind of have ties to both of them because, you know, the, the Standard Oil of, Air, of California airplane was the first airplane that I worked on and got paid to work on. I was summer between school <laughs> and, you know, helped get it all prepped and ready to go for its trip to Oshkosh and, you know, all that. And it was the uh, first thing I I did. And then uh, all the stuff I got to make on it over the years. And But the rich, the Jimmy Allen airplane, the Richfield Oil airplane, was I was the first one to start that airplane when we finished it. And first one to taxi it. Oh, I didn't and know that. When she did all the photo shoot stuff, Aww. I taxied it around for her to move around so it's it's i mean it's kind of neat but i mean now i think i think i like the uh the standard royal california airplane because i've actually flown that airplane so it's i haven't flown the other ones <laughs> really have, yeah. when uh, beginning of january what? flew it with what That's yeah insane. it's in sebring so huh it's uh i can see now why like sarah getting a ride in one and I gotta have one of these because you know, I fly a PT seventeen, and I, <laughs> I, uh, why would anyone want to fly a PT seventeen over any one of these ever? Because it's it's an amazing airplane for how big it is. It's it, it it's incredibly powerful and it's very capable of an airplane. Yeah, and it, and it, it, it cruises around. It, it feels like a large motor car. It's like riding in a Rolls or yeah. an old Duesenberg. You know, it's. It's got that. Yeah, I was gonna say like a luxury. Yeah, exactly, it's a luxury yeah. motor car. Smooth. Yeah. 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 Super heavy. The, the, That's cool. The PT-17s were built for training guys in the war and teaching them, making it hard to fly, so they would learn how to take care of things and then be able to fly more complex airplanes. So it had a different purpose. They just built a crap ton of them, and that's why there's so many out there. And you know, they they they're in their third. The PT-17s are in their third life now. They. Originally for the military, then it became crop dusters because they were cheap after the war, and now everybody restores them back <laughs> and you know, undoes all the crop duster stuff and gets yeah. back to what it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's amazing when I got to fly it with uh, with Al and uh, take off, and you never get to full power because it has so much power because it's designed to be super, super heavy and have a bunch of mail and a bunch of stuff, so it it's, has plenty of power, and mm. you just levitate off the ground because it's it, it's amazing and, <laughs> and you don't really get knocked around because the airplane weighs 3,000 pounds so it's it's heavy and has a huge wing so it, it really gets off the ground faster than I than I, I anticipated it would it was it's pretty amazing just it's it's incredible how, how short in and out of the field you can get with that thing but it, at the same time it's not aerobatic like no no, what most people all. think of a steering That was going to be my next question. Uh, I'm sure. like, so... Yeah, right. yeah. so <laughs> it's, it's one of those airplanes that was just... It's got a very large top wing, a smaller bottom wing, so it's good and stable going cross-country. And it was it was designed to go from point A to point B yeah. at a reasonable speed. So it's, it's a contemporary to airplanes like the Lockheed Vega, other airplanes of that era that were doing the same job getting from A to B. That's what it was designed for. So... Yeah. It's a different job than teaching combat pilots how to fly and 
dogfight and everything. <laughs> and I could see hopping in one of these things and and going around the country and doing the tour and stuff and having no problem going, you know, from here to Los Angeles because you know, it it's a very comfortable and it's fast and you know it has a hundred something gallons, so it's it, you got pretty good long legs on it if you didn't run out of oil first originally, but you know, it's. <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, that's why they had fifteen gallon oil tanks, so you could let, you could yeah. run for a while, and not run out of oil. Isn't isn't there, or at least at Sun and Fun, um, isn't there a Model Four that does rides that you can just like pay twenty bucks and they'll take you up, mm-hmm. or is that no. is that a different different airplane? That's what is that? That was a new standard. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a new standard. Oh, so my bad. Yeah, it was. That's an airplane that was designed in the twenties specifically for ride hopping. That's its purpose. It wasn't, okay. wasn't like it was used for something else and then they said, oh, we can haul people with it. But it's actually four passengers up front, two and two, and then the pilot in the back. And uh, a friend of ours, uh, Rob Locke, has a couple of those that he was running a ride hop in business for a long time. And there's, I think, two other ones that are flying around. I think there's one yeah. maybe Rhinebeck and someplace else. Well, you had the, ride hopping. the one that Rob has. His dad had one. They were sister ships. Right. And then you had the one that... Um, the green one. Oh, I just totally forgot the name of the guy that used to do the... Had the Pepsi airplane at Sun of Fun doing oh, the small... Oliver. Oliver, yeah. they had one there for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, since Callum was describing such an amazing experience of a ride in a Model 4, I was trying to find a way that literally anybody could go get one, but... Sorry, folks. I guess <laughs> make friends with a person with a Model Four. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> like, not that. And that many would not be us. We don't have one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we don't have one. Well, there's... I think there's what ten of these, roughly ten of them that are out there that are airworthy out of yeah. the forty that were built. And and there's, and there's a few so, more that so exist. Restoring 30%, so restoring thirty percent. So restoring thirty percent of the Model Fours in flight's not too shabby of a brag. Yeah, I mean. It's it's a we had an opportunity to do three of the of the original airplanes, so that's pretty cool. What were you gonna say, Cal? Uh, I don't remember now. I <laughs> lost <a> train of thought. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I, I would think it, it would be kind of neat. Um, there's there's a couple of places in the country where there's a bunch of Model Fours, and right now in the Northwest, it's really they've kind of gathered up there. The Jimmy Allen airplane is in Lewiston, Idaho now. Um, the Western Air Express one that we did is in um, uh, at the Wham Museum in in um, near Wham. Hood River, Oregon area, and it's it's Western Automobile and Aviation Museum, museum something like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, they have that one out there, and they have the M two out there, the Big Brother. And they have one of the prototype Stearmans, one of the early PT-17 style airplanes. So they got some pretty cool airplanes out there. And then there's the Pembertons have theirs, and uh, Jeff Hamilton has one out there. Then there's another one in California that's Steve Hamilton. So there's a lot of them are out out west. And this is the only the, the uh, standard oil number three that's down here is the only one that's in the southeast United States. The other ones that. Um... You got Addison's airplane. Um, what's the Black ben and Scott airplane? airplane? Ben Scott. Those, those. Yeah. There's like three or four that do the, the mail, run stuff that they every few years they recreate, haul and mail from one place to another, and they just did it. I think right. last year. I think it's kind of cool. 
Yeah, and Todd and, and Freddie did that with this one. They hauled yeah. some mail on a route, and yeah. we got a letter that was hauled in the airplane that we built. That's pretty cool. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and listening to us babble about some Model 4 Steermans that we've done and a little bit of Steerman history. Um, if you like this episode and you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review if you're listening to it on a podcast app. Um, if you're listening to it on YouTube or Facebook, just throw it a like. Not a whole lot of work for you guys to do. Um, and yeah, have a great night or day, and thanks so much for listening. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks thanks for coming. Have a good night, evening, day, whatever. And uh, we're going to leave you at the end of this episode with a little snippet from The Air Adventures of Jimmy Allen. So enjoy this adorable radio show, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Air Adventures. Jimmy has been hoping against hope he will be accepted by the monsoon company to fly their entry in the annual transcontinental race for the Vanderpool Trophy. Speed Robertson, famed airmail and racing pilot, recommended his chum to the monsoon officials. They replied, asking Jimmy to report at once to their factory prepared to fly the monsoon 800 in the race. With a few words of encouragement from Speed, the young pilot hurried east to take his first big flying assignment. Now we find ourselves in the office of Mr. E.J. Thompson, president of the Monsoon Aircraft Engine Company. He has just called for his chief engineer, Bill Whitehead, designer of the Monsoon 800. Come in. You were... Uh, for me, Mr. Thompson? Yes, Bill, I did. Have a chair. Yes, sir. Well, I was in a race job coming along. Oh, it's all set, Chief. Our boys have checked over everything, and all we need now is a pilot to fly it. How does the engine turn up, Bill? Oh, it's great. Show was 1,800 on the box, and with the prop set the way it is, we wouldn't want anything better. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. We're right up against the deadline anyway. Because we're not giving our pilot much time to run any tests he might consider necessary. We've given this engine every possible test that I ever heard of, Chief. We've ran it on the blocks for 500 hours without stopping. We've checked it with all kinds of fuel, run it in cold temperatures and scorching hot weather. I know that, Bill. It's the strongest piece of machinery that has ever hung in an airplane. Yes, and it has power, too, E.J. Well, look at that denominator test we made. I'll bet in all of your experience in engine building, you never saw such power developed for the weight. Yeah, you're right. It has power. Worlds of power. And believe me, that's what it takes in these modern racing planes. The most conservative estimate which we have made public shows 800 horsepower. Ah, <laughs> you're too modest, Chief. I always said that. Now, sir, this monsoon, when she's winding up around 2,400 and with that supercharger in her, well, she's kicking up so close to 1,000 horsepower that uh, it just isn't fun. Bill, that's the sweetest music I ever listened to. Those 18 cylinders barking out a symphony of thundering power... 
I'll tell you, there's nothing like it in the world. That's right. You can't beat it. No, here I am going all somewhere on a tangent. Let's get down to business. We haven't much time. You're perfectly satisfied with the job, are you, Bill? I really am, Chief, yes. Bring on your pilot. Fine. Our pilot will be here any minute. He just arrived in town and phoned me. He's on his way out here now. Well, sir, we'll turn over a great airplane to him and a wonderful engine. I don't think there'd be anything in that race that can touch it. Well, I hope you're right, Bill. But I'm wondering. You mean about the ship? Yeah. I'm wondering if it is the fastest job in that race. What makes you say that, Chief? Well, there are 12 entries in that race, including our own. 11 without us. Well, that 11, there are nine that don't bother me at all. Some good ships, yeah. Some good engines. And they'll be thrown by crack pilots. But they're not in the same class with our job. I agree with you there, E.J. We've just too much speed and power for them. But there are two airplanes in this race, Bill, that I am worried about. I don't mind telling you that I've had a few sleepless nights thinking about those two ships. Yeah, I guess I know the two you mean, all right. Speed Robertson's Bluebird Special and the Mercury Mystery Ship. <laughs> I guess you've been thinking a little about them, too, eh? Well, Chief, it'd be okay with me if they weren't in the race, I can tell you that. Well, I don't feel that way about it, Bill. Naturally, I want our ship to win. It's, it's got to win. But we don't want an empty victory. We want to beat the best in the country. And you're wondering if our job is the best, huh? Speed Robertson is a brand new ship with lots of power. And anything Speed has is going to be fast. Very fast. And he's the greatest racing pilot that ever slipped on a pair of goggles. I wish we had him. There's no getting around that, E.J. It's my opinion that if we can beat speed, we'll win this race. Well, I'm not so sure. Don't underrate this mystery ship. I haven't been able to get much dope on it. Well, Mercury people have developed a new engine similar to ours. They'll have it in this new ship of theirs. And, Bill, they'll move heaven and earth to win. Chief? I've spent two years developing this new engine of ours, and the Monsoon Company has a lot of money invested in it. It's the greatest aircraft motor in the world today. I know, Bill. I believe every word you say. You've done a remarkable piece of work. I don't think the Mercury Company can build the same quality of engine you do. They just don't put the care and workmanship into their product. Their engines don't stand up like ours. The records prove that. But, Bill, they have some smart men in that company and a lot of money back of it. And as I just told you, they'll leave no stone unturned to win the Vanderpool Cup. Mm-hmm. They're a tricky bunch, too. You know that as well as I. Bill, I'm going to tell you something in the strictest confidence. It's something I learned just recently, but I kept it to myself. Because I didn't want to bother with business matters while you were busy working on the ship. Well, go ahead, Chief. Anything you tell me won't go any further. It's of the utmost importance that our monsoon engine wins the Vanderpool Trophy. And I'll tell you why. The officials of National Airways are going to place an order for 500 new aircraft engines. Yeah? They must do this to meet the faster airmail schedules required by the government. And they're waiting to see what engine stands up under the grueling test of the transcontinental race. Well, you mean the engine that comes in first will be the engine they buy? That's exactly what it amounts to. The engine that brings victory to the manufacturer will also bring it an order for enough engines to keep its plant busy for two years. George, Chief, that, that really means something. Well, that isn't all. You realize, of course, how business has been in the last couple of years. There just hasn't been in it. It's cost us a lot of money to develop this monsoon 800. And, Bill, if we don't get that airline order, well, we'll just have to close our doors. Is it really that bad? I'm sorry, Bill, but it is. 
Well, you closing our eyes to the situation. Well, I can see only one answer to that, Chief. Our pilot absolutely has to win the Vanderpool Cup. It's a tough spot for this young Allen. In fact, the situation is so grave that I don't want to know all the facts. It might affect his plane. He gets a worrying about it. But uh, is he the pilot for us, E.J.? You know, it seems to me that in a situation as critical as this, we ought to have an older man. Oh, a pilot with more experience. After all, this Jimmy Allen is just a kid with little or no racing experience that I know of. I realize that. To be quite frank, I know very little about him myself. When we couldn't get Speed Robertson, I asked him to recommend a pilot who could get every last foot of speed out of our ship. And he wired back that he considered Allen capable of handling the job. <laughs> speed Robertson ought to know. If he says a pilot will give us his very best... Well, say, Chief, you don't, you don't suppose... Uh, well, what I mean is that Speed Robertson is out to win this race himself. I know what you're getting at, Bill. Well, don't ever think that. Speed Robertson is as fine and true a friend as I've ever had. And he's honest and sincere. A square shooter there ever was one. If he says Jimmy Allen can do the job, well, that's good enough for me. Uh, I hope he's right. But say, who's flying this Mercury mystery ship? Well, now there's something that worries me. I understand they've hired Wings Wagner to fly it. Wings Wagner? He nearly beat out Speed Robertson in the race last year, didn't he? Right. Wagner's a good pilot. In fact, Speed Robertson's the only man that ever could beat him. I don't say he's a good pilot. Nobody ever questioned that. Yeah, but that isn't all, Bill. I don't like Wagner. Never have. I don't like that shifty look in his eyes. And there's another thing I don't like about him. What's that, E.J.? I don't like the idea of his flying that mystery ship. Wagner will do anything to win a race. And the Mercury crowd wouldn't ask any questions either. It's a bad combination. They want to win the race the worst way. And believe me, Wings is just suit win it the worst way is the right way. Well, I'll tell you right now that whoever wins this race will know he's been through a battle. Yeah, and Speed Robertson had better keep his eyes open because Wagner's out to get him this year. What does he have against Speed, Chief? I mean, outside of being beaten by Speed caught him in some crooked work in the race last year and threatened to give him a good thrashing if he ever caught him pulling any phony stuff again. Yeah, and he'd do it, too. Oh. Huh? Yeah, Thompson speaking. Oh, yeah, send him right in, please. Well, here's young Alex now. We'll have a chance to see what he looks like. How do you do, sir? Are you Mr. Thompson? Yes, yes. You must be Jimmy Allen. Well, I'm glad to have you here, Allen. Let me introduce our chief engineer, Bill Whitehead. I'm glad to meet you, Mr. Whitehead. I'm glad to know you, Allen. Take this chair here, Allen. Thank you, sir. We don't have much time to visit, but I I guess you're rather anxious to get a look at the ship. Yes, Mr. Thompson, I am. From what Speed Robertson tells me, it's a wonderful airplane with a powerful new engine you people have developed. We think we have a good ship. We hope we found a good pilot. Mr. Thompson... I'm anxious to fly your ship in the Vanderpool Cup race. In fact, I've never wanted anything more in my life. But on the other hand, I'm a stranger to you. And I want you to understand that I don't consider myself in the same class as Speed Robertson and some of those other racing pilots. I haven't had the experience they've had. You mean that you, uh, you feel a little, a little hesitant about flying our ship? No, sir, I don't mean that. I can fly the job, and I'll get everything out of it that's possible. But I don't want you to be under the impression that I'm 
well, an old hand at this game. Well, we understand from Mr. Robertson that your experience in racing has been limited. Alan, uh, have you nope. had much time on high-powered racing tips? No, I haven't, Mr. Whitehead. Speed Robertson taught me to fly and showed me how to navigate. He let me put in a few hours on his new Bluebird racer. This is a tough race, Alan. You're up against the best pilots in the country and the fastest airplanes. Your inability to fly in a little bad weather or a small error in navigation might cost you the race. I realize that, sir. But the same holds true for the other pilots. We confidently believe that we have the best job that will go to the starting line. Our engine is rugged and has a world of power. And monsoon engines have always been famed for their reliability. Mr. Allen, we want you to fly a fair and square race. But the Monsoon 800 has got to win. Mr. Thompson, I can't make any promises about winning a race. Too many things can happen between a start and a finish. But I can promise you two things. I'll work day and night and give you everything I have. Well, that's all anyone can expect. What's the other promise? That I'll fly a fair and square race. If I can't win that way, I don't want to win at all. Well, that's the way I like to hear you talk. It's a bargain. Now, I want you to go out and look over the ship. You'll find Rag Johnson, your mechanic, working on it now. They'll have one of the boys taking out and off the ship. Okay, Chief. Thanks, Mr. Thompson. Uh, Harry, show Mr. Allen here out to a race job, will you? Yes, sir. <clears throat> what do you think of our young pilot, Bill? I like that kid. I like the way he looks you straight in the eye. Chief, I'm putting my money on Jimmy Allen to come through. Well, it looks as though Jimmy has taken on a man-sized job. Can he handle the powerful Monsoon 800 racing ship? Join us in the next air adventure of Jimmy Allen. This program has come to you through the facilities of the World Broadcasting System.